Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me, Mackenzie Koss, marketer extraordinaire. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Brand Collective podcast. Today, I'm actually looking at a bunch of beautiful faces right now because we're live at Engage 2022 with a very special guest, Maya Drazen, Chief Brand Officer at Time Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, this yes. is, uh, I have chills. This is like yeah. uh, a brand new experience <laughs> for all of us. We are in front of a very well-printed backdrop. We have yes. uh, sort of our between two ferns set up with the two fiddleheads. Yes. Um, this is not your basement. No, it's usually no. I record this podcast in my basement. <laughs> yes. And uh, I try to pray that Amazon doesn't show up so my dog doesn't start barking. Um, but thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we are so honored to have uh, a guest of your of your experience and your stature. Uh, you were you're the the chief brand officer of Time Magazine right now. I am. And before that, you were the VP of marketing for Condé Nast. Uh, the culture division at Condé Nast. Yes, I incredible. Heard I, of it? I it's love good names. magazines, as you can tell. <laughs> um, and you came up with the Webby Awards, which uh, means a lot to me because at one point I was nominated for a oh, Webby Award. Oh, amazing. <laughs> well, we, five, did you have five words ready? Uh, I don't think so. It, this was <laughs> a long prepare. time ago. <laughs> uh, um, but I used to be very much in the web series creator realm. Nice. Um, and that was, uh, they have that sort of spiral, mm -hmm. spiral the award. The spiral award. Yeah. That is a, a really cool award. And I, as, as someone who lived in Los Angeles doing content, it was often on people's uh, Makes my day to still yeah. to walk into yeah. offices and see that standing there proudly displayed. Nice. So do you mind telling us a little bit about your personal story? If I look back at my career, I really think that um, how technology is changing our world has been my through line, uh, and which led me to a lot of really great places. So I, somebody asked me the other day where I started my career. I'll share because it's funny. Um, and I hadn't thought about it for a long time. So I started... Uh, selling Mac networks at a polyamorous commune in San Francisco in the hate, which is very, very like weirdly stereotypical. And my clients were Danielle Steele, Genentech and Bank of America. So, you know, weird combination. But I uh, my father was an artificial intelligence scientist. I grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico. I've always loved technology and also been really conscious of that. It is you can either uh, it, it can either create great opportunity and great change, and it can be very scary to a lot of people. And so how it changes our world and how we bring people forward with that has always been really important to me. And so I fell in love with the web and, um, and co-founded the Webby Awards and did that. And then I was, as we were selling it, I was doing a project for Wired, um, who I have always loved, like Wired really epitomized or documented the rising digital uh, coming, if you will, at transformation. And so I ended up at Wired working at a World's Fair of Future Technologies. And so I was not a publisher. I was not a marketer. I just really loved technology and this theme. So that kind of led me um, into the space of publishing, though. And Wired was owned by Condé Nast, which has some of the best magazine brands in the world. And as they started um, to consolidate, I had the good fortune of going from just Wired to the men's collection, which include included GQ Golf Digest and Pitchfork, which was super fun. And then the culture division, which included Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, Teen Vogue, and uh, the, some of those other brands. Can you talk specifically about time and, uh, and how, 
when you're sort of shepherding a brand like Time, that's such a legacy brand that, that so many people picture that Time cover whenever you say the word Time. Yeah. Uh, uh, how do you how do you introduce that that brand to new audiences? How do you how do you welcome in uh, young people? How do you as as media evolves and as technology evolves? How does a brand like that do that? That's such a good question. You know, I mean, um, one of the things about Time that I love most about it is that it has a really cross-generational appeal. Mackenzie, you gave a story when you got here, yes. right? Like, people of all ages have really fond memories of Time, whether it's at their grandparents' house or at their parents' house, or many of them read Time for Kids in school in their classrooms. So um, there's already that natural affinity and the nostalgia, um, which is really, really awesome. And so, and people trust time. That is, the, you know, we are the world's most trusted storyteller. And so, when people go go looking for news, um, and there's a bunch of people who've written about something, partic uh, particularly a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world today they see time and they know that they can trust it and they click through and they read. And so we reach nearly 100 million people um, digitally monthly, you know, through time.com and through our social channels. And so I think it's just telling the continuing to tell the great human stories in a way that you can count on and you can trust. Um, and then the brand awareness makes a huge difference in making that possible. Obviously, as technology evolves, uh, different platforms evolve. Um, and I'd love to hear how time is pushing those boundaries through things like the, the new Web3 movement and how uh, this the new frontier of the Internet uh, is folding into time's plan. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'll actually add on kind of before we get that transition into from the last question to this question, which is to say, as you noted, the, the way, methods of storytelling are changing. And the first one is obviously the rise of video over text, for example. And so Time Studios, which we launched uh, three years ago, creates incredible video storytelling for some of the biggest players in the world. And so if you saw the Kanye video, uh, the Kanye trilogy, that was yeah. done by Time Studios. And so it was, just, it was wonderful. It, the, was, it was the host of that. What a special guy. What a special guy. Right. So so continuing to tell stories like that, I think, changes people's, uh, you know, those are the stories of our time. And so that relates to kind of our movement into Web3, too. So actually, this week, we're celebrating our one year anniversary of Time Pieces, our NFT community initiative. But we've been in the space for 18 months, which is a long time. It feels like in, a lifetime. It is a yeah. lifetime NFT, in I mean. the NFT and Web3. <laughs> so, um, you know, it makes us world, but um, which is awesome. And so when we looked to move into that space, this space is a space that's really about authenticity. And it's not about a market. You can't have a marketing campaign at this moment in this or to date in this space. You know, it's a community led. It's a community led thing. And it's not brand first. It's actually. So we said, how can we authentically come into this space? And we looked at our history and said, well, you know, we've always recognized the best artists of the next generation on our covers. And we have Chagall's and we have Lichtenstein's and we have Warhol's and we have Basquiat's. And so if we believe that this is the next generation of artists, then we should give them a time cover canvas. And now we're not, but it's an NFT, so it's not going to be the actual one. So we gave them an eight by eight square with a red border and a little timepiece logo and, um, and started with our Genesis collection almost exactly a year ago, a year ago this Friday. And 40 artists, uh, 20 of whom we asked, who were both a combination of uh, big NFT artists and cover artists for time. And off we went. Wow. It's, uh, it's incredible. And I'm sure as an experience for those artists, it, it means so much to be validated by this sort of one of the cultural gatekeepers, you know, to have that red border around your piece. I'm sure 
elevates your status in that art world. Um, but I have to bring up only because I have friends that are very deeply invested in, in this Web3 space. Okay. Uh, it feels very risky. It feels like a space that's constantly volatile and constantly met with a lot of doubt and a lot of fear and a lot of people who are like, why would you ever dive in? You know, like that's, it feels like, you know, kind of uh, the abyss right now. It's like uncharted <laughs> <abyss>. waters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would argue that those people haven't tried it because what you experience with anybody who's gotten anywhere near it in, or most people who get anywhere near it, it's a rabbit hole you, hole you fall down and fall in love with. So I'll start there. But um, I, you know, we really believe it to be the, the next evolution of the Internet. And if that's the case, I was there for Web 1. It feels exactly the same. And there were a lot of doubters. And I like to say, you know, like be, right before the bust in 2000, everybody was like, oh, yeah, this is bunk because, it, you know, it's Webvan and it's Pets.com. And it's like they made fun of all of these things. Well, I don't know about you, but all of my groceries are delivered to me now by Fresh Direct. And I get all my pet supplies from Chewy. Not to be doing promos. I'm a BarkBox guy. Whatever. But, yeah. You know, whatever. But the, <laughs> but the point is, is that all of these things that people thought were nuts are standard now. And you, it was just early. And so I think, and what I see, interestingly enough, from brands is I feel as though they kind of get it. Like, a lot of people stalled on web... I call print web zero. So then web one, right, right, right. the, the early yeah. internet and social being web two. And they were a little faster, but still it's hard because you have people talking back to you yep. and out in public and all of these things that are really brand managers, not big fans of. Right. And web three is the next evolution of that. So not only do they kind of one way talk back to you, but you have to talk to them like you have to get yeah. into discord and on Twitter spaces and talk 24 seven to them all over the world. And that's a lot for people. Yeah. I mean, that's how yeah. it is right now. That's a lot for people. But what I find is that people don't seem to be backing down. They may be slowing down. They may be trying to reduce risk. But I think people get that it's just early and this will change. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who, who might not know, my understanding, at least sort of uh, maybe the dumbed down version of someone's explanation to me was web one was the web you can view. Yep. Web two is the web you can interact with. And web three is the web you can, can purchase. Yeah, well, you I can wouldn't own. say purchase. I would say you can own. Okay. Right. Don't so own owner that. versus owner, well, <laughs> owner versus renter is between web two and web three is the kind of common. Okay. Uh, right. Because in web two, I go onto a social platform and I create content for them, but they're renting right. me the space. I don't yeah. own that. And, right, right, and, right. right. And they don't pay me for it and, um, and all of that stuff. And in Web3, I own the NFT. It, I can create a contract that says every time it sells in perpetuity as an artist, I can get paid on that. And that's a huge, you know, change in the way things are. And that's just, and that's just with art. And right. art is just the start of where this world is going. Right. Yeah. Art's the early adopter. Yeah. Um, can we shift a little bit to some of your other creative efforts in time specifically, and maybe some of the work that Time Studios is doing and some of the exciting projects that are on the horizon? Ooh projects on the horizon. Well, I mean, there's so much going on in Time Studios and I, most of it I probably can't talk about because it's made for partners, but um, just a cons, you know, we have we have five divisions now, uh, kids and family programming which we talked about this morning, which is super fun and they're doing a puppet news show with Time for Kids, um, which I think will be awesome. We actually 
blockchain to big screen, we've actually been combining the two and really looking for IP in the NFT space. And we're working with a series of um, NFT communities, uh, including the Robotos and Toy Boogers and the Littles um, on programming that way that'll be on TV, which I think will be super fantastic. So, you know, and um, we have a follow-up uh, kind of celebrity uh, also in similar worlds to Kanye, but not the same person coming up. And we just, uh, Katrina Babies just launched with the story of Hurricane Katrina. So it really is, I, one of my favorite things is just the span of content. I mean, that's one of the things that's incredible about time is it just has permission to go anywhere. That's huge. I love that. So kind of going back to risk taking and pushing the boundaries, um, what do you follow when it comes to trying new mediums, formats, or investing in new technology? Are you someone who A-B tests? Do you dip your toe in? Or do you feel like you just dive in if it's something that you firmly believe in? It was one of the things that actually really amazed. I came from Wired, right? So yeah. at Wired, we had to get into everything first. Mm -hmm. And um, it didn't mean you had to stick with it and invest, but you had to try it first. And so right. I got used to doing that. When I came to time, I was really incredibly um, awed by how invested they were in immersive technologies. Like one of the first things when I got there was a project called The March, which was a, a VR recreation of the March on Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King's March on Washington. And you could be there. And it was the wow. most realistic um, digital human ever that they had done. And it, it was just a huge amount of work. And, uh, yeah. and you know, t again, time as a trusted source spent a lot, so much effort in one, making it realistic, two, making sure it was historically realistic and working with the estate and making sure that everything was perfect. And, um, and so there is, I think time has a possibly unexpected commitment to diving into new, into new things. And I think, um, you know, the other thing is we're very values based, values driven. And so, you know, we are committed to building a better future to not only reporting and telling these stories, but driving the conversations that move people to action and doing our own part. And so like even today, we just announced uh, CO2, which is a platform for small for all biz, any business who wants to be net zero and nature positive to be supported in that in a reasonable way. And so, um, you know, and time is going to be client one. And so we're kind right. of setting off on that net zero journey. And so I think there's just so much, um, you know, I think so to that question, I think time jumps right in, actually, you know. I love that. Trust is a huge quality. I mean, everybody trusts time and they trust time because they consistently deliver. Yeah. Um, and it feels like maybe branching into these new avenues might be counterintuitive because it's it's like you're going into uncharted waters. Yeah. There's how can we trust that this is going to, you know, deliver that same quality or the same, you know, have that same effect as maybe a generation ago would pick up a Time magazine, read about the current events, and feel informed about what's going on. I never thought about it before, but when you just said that, it's like, because trust is our number one value and we take it very, very seriously, even though we're taking risks, I think it becomes more important for us to jump in early because right. we can check it out and, and explain it to people, one. But also, I think the way we approach it then is with a level of responsibility that not everybody does. <laughs> you know, it's like we have said all along, we are not in web, we're not in web three or NFTs for the short flip. And um, we're here for the long term and for the long haul and to create 
um, new history on the blockchain, if you will, right? And so I think that maybe in the attitude that we take, it actually is less risky, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. That's true. Kind of going off what Nick was just addressing with the current events, um, I kind of wanted to bring up the passing of Queen Elizabeth because I think that was such a pitiful little moment. And then for who didn't see this morning, I thought it was a beautiful display and you know, tribute to all these amazing folks who have been on the cover of Time. Can you kind of dive into that in the sense of how you guys took that story differently, especially in current news and be, Time being so trusted and something that people do want to read, they do want to read about that certain story from you specifically first before anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. I've been at Time for three years, and I will say that the passing of the Queen was one of those moments that made me proudest of being at Time because you see Time in its native state, which is responding to important news an important right. moment. And the response, again, that responsibility to get that story out um, in a respect, in a respectful way, in an iconic way, as quickly as you can, because, you know, especially as as media has changed, like obviously the Internet and the social media channels are going yeah. quick, but we're going to capture that moment forever. Right. And so I think you saw I mean, I thought that cover was was spectacular. It was beautiful. Um, a spectacular choice. And then simultaneously, we were able to get a special issue out in 24 hours that would hit newsstands a week later that was an actual um, commemorative piece. And not to mention everything that was written online and, and put out on socials. Um, and so it's just the mobilization of an entire organization. Like you really, we really get streamlined in moments like that to adapt and act quickly. Absolutely. I thought you guys did a fantastic job and I actually have a copy now, oh, okay. um, but I feel like it was probably the best because like you said, things can get spun online and it's you're reporting on the facts and who she was and a tribute to just like all the service that she put in through all of her years and work. Yeah. Uh, being mean, the queen specifically. Queen. Yes. Yes. Um, but we, and we, and I, I hope you also noticed, like I have been saying and to some people love it. Some people don't that we have covered two Queens in the last yes, two issues. And I think the, the, re, the, uh, the evolution away from tennis, yeah. um, of Serena Williams is another beautiful example of that. Absolutely. I definitely cried when she finished her last match Me and everything. It was hoping she had, would win, but yes, <laughs> I can only imagine the process of picking that one photo right yeah it just feels like over for especially figures like this that are just iconic throughout generations and probably have so many choices of, of yeah. photos that you could like do you mind sharing a little fly in the wall perspective of what it's like to how do you even whittle it down to like the top 28. Well, I wish I, could, I wish I could take any credit for that, but we have an incredible creative director, D.W. Pine, who has been doing this for 20 years and he and his team are just exceptional at it, you know, and I think um, and I think some of the work they've been doing lately is just some of the most beautiful. And I think in moments like this, that they, they really excel. And I think it's because if you look at them carefully, I think it's because they go simple, you know, they yeah. go simple and, and right. an image that will that will stay with you. Yeah. Yeah. Stand the test of time. Stand. Thank <laughs> you. Wait, and I can't believe we've had so few, relatively few time puns here. <laughs> that, 
Yeah, we try, we try to keep them, them to in. the, the yeah. most iconic time puns. Okay, that was a good um, one. <laughs> do you mind talking about the difference uh, in approaching publications like Under the Condé Nast Umbrella versus Time? I have been so lucky to work in both places and to have really great experiences in both places and to work in some of the most iconic magazine brands and magazine slash content storytelling brands in the world. And I think to your point, um, what you get in the brands in Con at Condé Nast, which for those who don't know, or even if you do, you know, Vogue, Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, Wired, um, Bon App, on and on, Teen Vogue, on and on and on. Um, and to your point, those brands are, are what most people aspire to be. And they also are uh, brands that create taste, right? So they're the ones that say, I should be wearing tweed today, or I should be wearing a red lip, or whatever the thing is, and that's what's going to happen. I'm going to follow that. And that's a really cool place to be. And the, and the people making those decisions are usually people of incredible taste, which is why you then aspire to do that. But simultaneously, like Will Welch, who just had a beautiful piece in the New York Times, about who is the editor-in-chief of GQ, you know, and took over just a few years ago, like he's also changing the definition of masculinity. So it's like you're not only saying plaid is the thing you should be wearing, but you're defining what a man is. And that's really kind of exceptional and incredible. Um, time, on the other, on the other hand, is um, accessible, right? So one is, one is aspirational, the other is accessible. Right. And it is something that anyone, anywhere in the world, feel, can make their own and feels is theirs and is... And is pointing out in a different way. I mean, similarly pointing out what matters, but about very different things, right. obviously, you know? Um, and so um, both are, are tremendous. I feel like um, the accessibility, though, gives you, a, you know, if you, a real platform for change. Like as we move into so into a world with so many things that need to be solved, um, I personally love a brand like Time because one, people are anxious, and so it, it's a, a bedrock that you can turn to for trusted information. And um, also, again, it feels accessible. It's like, oh, I can come here, I can, I can be included, I can learn, I can talk. It's, it's, it's a family, I right, think, right. in a way yeah. that might be different. Yeah, and I feel like from a marketer, it obviously those more aspirational publications are like companies flock to those, try feature us, be a part of us, be a part of us. Uh, whereas time is more, you're you want to be trusted in that same way, or you want to be looked at as with that same kind of uh, ease, or like, oh, I, you know. But let's be real, right? Like time features the most influential people on the planet. We have person True. of the year, we have the Time 100, and people aspire in huge ways to be featured that way, and. I went to the Time 100 event this year for the first time because it hadn't been happening for the same, like same similar to Engage. And also I hadn't been there pre prior to that. And like you're sidled up to the bar and some guy says, so what do you do? And I say, oh, I work for Time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I cured AIDS. And I'm like, oh, you know, so. So you'll buy. <laughs> <laughs> they were all on the house. But, um, but you know, I so to say that time isn't aspirational is actually not fair. Time is very right. aspirational. It, I think it just um, democratizes influence in a way in that it says, here are the most important people and we're going to bring them to you. Yeah. That is true. It's like the OG influencer. There you go. Yeah. I like that. 
I, that is a yeah, good one. I love this. Do you have any advice for uh, maybe marketers who want to get into media or want to get into um, these kinds of realms and maybe feel like it might just be too too tough to get into or too hard? Well, I think the you know the modern media landscape, while hard for, harder on you know. Uh, has its challenges, um, is really great, great for um, great for anyone who wants to get into the space. I mean, look, you can create a you can create a podcast, and <laughs> yes, you can. No, right? You can create a podcast, yeah. or you can create a newsletter, or you can create. I mean, that to me is one of the great. I, I'm a, a I'm a sucker for techno utopia. I have to admit, and you know that that is the promise of technology is that it democratizes things, and one of the things it democratizes is your ability to create content. Um, and so, and in doing so, you can be noted. And if your goal would be to work for a major media property, you can build up your own following and then have that happen as a, it's actually very similar to web three in that it, the brand lifts up the creator and in doing so lifts the create, the brand is lifted up. So if you guys are the hottest things in podcasting and I recognize that and I put time stamp on it and now all of a sudden you're affiliated with time, we all win. So we've got Stand With The Brand up next, and I think you're going to really like this one based on some things you shared with your love for technology and specifically artificial intelligence. So Lay's is using artificial intelligence. Um, the potato let, chips? Yes, awesome. the potato chips. Okay, which although I prefer ridges. I'm the same with the dip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I can't help but picture those uh, those old <laughs> potato batteries where you just stick the potato. Oh that's gosh. what I'm thinking. Yes. Where is this where your head went? Right, I know we're powering the we're AI. The snacks. <laughs> yeah, we're all about the snacks in here. <laughs> I was thinking AI. Okay. <laughs> snacks Sorry to interrupt. Curious no, where this, this is, is going. Yeah. So they are utilizing um, artificial intelligence to do a cameo um, for personalized videos with one of the biggest soccer stars in the world, Lionel Messi, um, through deep fake technology. Mm-hmm. So very lifelike lips moving, it looks like he's standing right in front of you, um, includes messages with a drop-down bar where you can, you know, say happy birthday, really utilize it um, in that way if you want to. And the technology that they use took about six months to create, and it's providing just an experimental way for fans to really interact with someone they might not see on the day-to-day, you know, basis. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, do you stand with the brand or do you take a seat? I stand for the brand. All right, let's hear I it. I mean, I I think that, you know, with all technology, there's great opportunity and great potential harm. And right. that's not about the technology, that's about human use of it. And um, so if I'm going to think about it from a deep fake standpoint, yes, there's a lot of potential bad that can right. happen with deep fakes. But um, the but the ability to have conversations with figures and actually we did this at times. So when we did the march, which I spoke about earlier, the, the march yes. on Washington, we um, did with a uh, with a group called Storyfile. We did a situation where you could ask uh, a woman histor a black woman historian almost anything and. Um, and they do it with a bunch of people and, and we're just incorporating it actually into a product we're launching for kids, a career development product we're launching for kids called Your Hot Jobs. And the, for them to be able to ask questions, that's really cool. And, and using it as for a cameo spot, like it's fun, right? So fun, yeah. And fun is, fun is good too. And so I think I encourage the, pos- the positive use. I encourage innovation. I enc- like 
do I understand the connection necessarily to Lay's? No, but it doesn't matter. Not really. Right. Because yeah. it, it's, um, it's experimentation. It's fun. And it gets, I mean, and I'm sure it gets the brand out there. I like it. Absolutely. I, so I have one more follow-up question for both of you, actually, if in regards to this deep fake, if there's one person that you could do this with that you could, you know, talk to, but not technically talk to, who would it be? A figure that you have like looked up to that might not be alive or is alive that you aren't going to see on a day-to-day basis. Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> Ending on the hard questions. So many people, I think. Um... Yes. Yeah, so I just want to clarify on this. So uh, Cameo is the sort of platform that you can pay a celebrity to yes. give you a little message. Yes. So this is sort of similar to that, but, but like a step up, but you can ask questions. Yes. Leo Messi yes. says like, how you doing? Yeah. Does he crunch on some chips while he's doing it? What is he doing? He's just saying, yeah. Hey, he definitely uh, is crunching on some chips. I mean, it'd be hard not to snack <laughs> while you're doing it. Yeah. That's wild. Um, yeah, I, it's such a fascinating use of this technology. It feels like, I would just want to be a part of the meeting that was like, okay, so we're Lay's. Yeah. We're known <laughs> for our chips, right? Yeah. Leo Messi is known as the world. Like, um, yeah. How these things all come together, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. It, Absolutely. It is just, it's, it, but I still stand for the brand. Yeah. Same. I do stand I like with that it. they're doing it. I do think deep fakes inherently give me pause just because it yes. seems like, uh, I, f- I forget which platform uh, did it with Obama during yes. a live yes. performance. Yes. And it was really kind of scary. Very yeah. scary. Um, well, they were just showing how it could be done that way. Right. right. But it's hard to recognize. Hard yeah. to tell Absolutely. the difference. And there, you know, there's enough misinformation out there without adding yet another layer of ways it can be done. Yeah. yeah. I would love to talk about that. About, uh, obviously, in media, misinformation is this massive theme. Um how how does how does it how is it addressed by time or is time just uh, take it in and and understand that their mission is on the side of truth and trust and and commit commitment to storytelling. The latter. I mean, you know, I think it, it makes time all the more important. It makes journalistic integrity all the more important, and it it should help people understand who they can count, where to go for trusted information. Um, so, you know, and what not to trust. I have 16 and 13 year old sons who get most of their news from Instagram and TikTok. And, you know, I think I've read like, I think like 60% of it or 80% of it is false. Yeah. And they're always off. Like they'll yeah. be like, did you know? And I'll be like, well, that's sort of true. <laughs> right. It happened. But from there, everything after that, not really real. Oh, that's just... Okay, back to chips. But, but to actually, chips. let me just add that the important thing there is is uh, news and media literacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like helping true. people understand how to tell the difference. And that is going to matter in um, for things like deep fakes and all the other things that are going to come after, too. Yeah, absolutely. Verify. And, you know, fact check, fact essentially, check. Well, yeah. we fact check. Yeah. And you verify, like, if you read it once from a non-trusted source, check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would I want to talk to from deep fakes? I mean, uh, yeah. Maybe Al Gore. I don't know. Could, I don't have the one. access you have, so I've, I've never run into him. 
I assume she meant somebody who was no longer living, but I, yeah, I, you could go do either. I, I know mine that who is not Who's living, yours? but Audrey Hepburn. Oh, that's I a good one. I look up like to her that. in so many ways yeah. and not just like as an actress, but her, her activism and just like everything that she did. I, she's iconic to this day. Maybe David Bowie. Oh, oh that's a good one. I mean, but so many one. good musicians died over yeah. the last few years. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Prince. but I think Prince, yes, Prince is another one, but I think I would go David Bowie. That that's a solid choice. Or I was gonna go Steph Curry, not dead, but because yeah. then my children would think I was awesome. A lot of great uh, deep fake names popping up. Right. <laughs> Who do right? we want to communicate with? Right. Uh, a deep fake. We have one more little segment where we, uh, beyond the world of branding and marketing, uh, we just ask a few questions uh, to every guest that's been on the show. So the first question is, what have you done recently for the very first time? I went to Miami. Whoa, Miami. Ooh. Miami last week for the very first time. We are doing, uh, we recently announced an exciting NFT project with the city of Miami. And I was down at Brand Week um, and also uh, meeting part of meeting uh, the mayor's U.S. Conference of Mayors where my boss was talking to them about it on stage. So I had never been to Miami. What'd you think? How'd you like the city? It's yeah. a beautiful city. I'm not a fan of heat. So the 90 degrees and humid thing was not really my style. And the weird out of nowhere pouring rain so that the streets were like two to three feet deep in water, also not my thing. But gorgeous city and nice people and fabulous food. Lovely. Yeah. How about you? What have you done recently? Oh my goodness. Well... Uh, this is a, a big time first for me, uh, being at a, a big tech conference. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to something like this. Interesting. Like I, one of my favorite phrases is CES ruining my holidays for the last 20 years. Yeah. That's a good one though. That's a fun one. Um, this is also a fun one. Smart sheet. Smart. You guys are fun. <laughs> They're so fun. I, I have to say, I was so impressed with the audience this morning. Really engaged. And, I know. And yes. it's the perfect part. Yeah. There was a man to the side of the stage with like a Mad Max style chrome drum kit DJ. Yes. Oh my God. They were so that looks so incredible. That was incredible. Incredible. Right oh. at nine o'clock in the morning. I know. Nine yeah. o'clock. It's like, just wake full up. power drumming. Yeah, I loved it. Um, Awesome. So the next question I have is, uh, if you uh, were invited to a show and tell right now, what item do you think you would bring and why? Oh, my goodness. Uh, show and tell, what item would I bring? Um, hmm. Maybe I would bring a Webby Award just because you reminded me of the spiral. Yeah, those are great. How big Love is that, that award show gotten? Oh, how big is in the, the show In gotten? the time sense. Because I remember in the in the early days when Webby just came out, they were the first kind of validating award presence for content creation online. I think before that, there wasn't much. I think those just lend a validity to the work that you're doing more than like, one day I hope to be a TV producer. And it's like now it's, Webby's are right there, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're in New York, they're big. Yeah. Um, so, which is really a pleasure to see as if, for your baby, you know? Yeah. And they're a nice spring, you they're know, nice a kid spring. can play with it. Yeah. I mean, I would have said the queen cover, but you all, are, I already showed that this morning. So I guess I did show and tell it. Yeah. Our last question is, if you had the opportunity to meet uh, a younger version of you, what piece of advice do you think you would give? Um, I, I have always, I would tell my younger self that my process was okay. 
because I'm not a super directed person. Like I've not always like, I want to be this or I'm going to go here. And I've always kind of taken a hotter, you know, that game hotter, colder or whatever yes. approach to yep. life. And it's sometimes hard to believe that that's an okay approach in a world that tends to honor and respect very directed methods, but it has worked incredibly well for me. And so I think, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, just get closer to that, which is warmer for you. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that's a special way to put it. I've always yeah. said, follow the yeses. I've there never you go. Quite that's had, the same thing, too. Yeah, I've never quite had uh, a, a very specific North Star in my career, but I've just sort of continued to try to do better and better work. And whenever you get validated or whenever a door opens as a result. Um, I like follow the yeses. Though. Yeah, that's a follow good. the yeses. Yeah. Follow yeah. The, the, you know, and then you can, you know, get closer and closer. I love that. I'm a trust your gut. If my, my stomach doesn't get in knots, I'm like, all right. And obviously sometimes it's out <laughs> sometimes of nerves. Sometimes it's fear, it's, right? Yeah. But if it's something that I know it's giving me a solid no, I'm like, all right, we're going to veer off that. to this direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Maya, it's been such a, uh, a joy having you on. It's been such a cool and yes. special I experience. Yeah, awesome. I know. Hi, it's such a cool thing. Uh, is there anything else that you want to plug or maybe... Um, any juicy bit of wisdom you can leave us oh before gosh, we, yeah. we finish our, our <laughs> first ever live. live Brian Collective podcast. Look at that background. Look at that background. <laughs> um, I don't know if I, you, you dropped it on me late that I was going to have to be wise. So I, I'm not prepared for, for wise, but, um, I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you to Smartsheet, and thank you to Engage, and I hope everyone has a great time here, because there's a lot to be learned. I learned so much from the stage this morning, and I know that there's more. Awesome. Oh, yeah, there's there's always more. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, pleasure and we loved having you on. Thank you. I love being here. You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast, where we like to say, strong brands live here. Join us as we build The Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. And if you feel inspired, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Until next time, this has been The Brand Collective.